The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. The day and hour unknown. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the day of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The word of the Lord. So here we are at Advent already. As I mentioned a moment ago, we come off this weekend of Thanksgiving, and right away it's a shift, transition for us. A really strange thing happened uh, to my Colorado daughter recently. She received a, a package in the U.S. mail from my California daughter, Christmas presents for the kids. There were three children there in Colorado. She was expecting it and was looking for it, and it was full of these gifts. Now, my daughter in California, Laura, she's, she's a rapper. Not, not, that kind, not that kind of rapper. <laughs> she is a, a present rapper. And she goes to extravagant uh, extremes with her you know, preparations for putting these things together. I mean, if you see the, the, not only the inside package, but the outer brown paper that you put in the mail, you know, it's got little you know, drawings of holly and you know, all kinds of other little decorations on it. And you probably see where this is going. But it really is a work of art. And uh, so Melissa, my daughter in Colorado, she saw the postman pull up to the curb, and you know, he came across the yard and, and left a package on the doorstep, but she couldn't get there in time when he dropped it there. So when she, you know, she came out, she opened the door, she looked down, there, there was a package, but it was open. And there were, all that was in it were some Christmas gift wrappings, and that was it, and some ribbons. It was empty, totally empty. She picks up this empty box, <laughs> and she trots across the lawn to the mailman. And, you know, she says, ah, <laughs> there's nothing here. You know, the box, it's just an empty box. And he says, well, I had to deliver it, ma'am. I delivered it. And that was it. That was it. It's a mystery. 
somewhere between Edwards Air Force Base in California and Fort Collins, Colorado, a theft took place. Weird. Jesus said it would be something like that. Be like a thief. When we're expecting life to go on mostly as it always has, time will change. One will be taken, one will be left. The rapture, some call it, the parousia in Greek. The second coming. Advent dawns today. It signals the beginning of a new season, not only culturally for us, but also in a way, probably most importantly, cosmically, spiritually. With this big picture of, of all things coming together and coming to an end, coming to a new beginning. This word, Advent, the very word means coming or the arrival of something. Advent rolls out with a carol or two with the thought that maybe we ought to start some shopping, start baking a little bit, send a Christmas card, get that thing together. Maybe we ought to start opening those little windows and the calendar. Advent comes with a whole package of stuff. But most of all, it comes with this message of hope. The hope of a coming day when Jesus himself will appear to usher in the fulfillment of the age. Scripture for this first Sunday of Advent, it speaks about time, doesn't it? Did you hear that? Matthew's Jesus said, you can't possibly know the time, the day or the hour. He's referencing time that's relative to that promised day of fulfillment of all time. One of my seminary professors, Tom Long, puts it like this. He says, the great climax of all human history and all human longing is coming when the world, spinning along in ceaseless tedium, will find itself gathered into the extravagant mercy of God. Sense that? <laughs> We're hurtling along. The arrival of something is coming. These, these chapters of, of Matthew, they're filled with expectation of, of that future day. Jesus spoke all the time about this, about how this wasn't it, what we're seeing right now, but there was more to come. He promised his followers that he was going to prepare a place for them. And that when he had that all ready, he was going to come back and take them to, to be with him. It was always this intention. The angels at the very time of his ascension into heaven, they told the disciples that the Lord, that he would come back sometime in the same way that he had left them. Apostle Paul, all of his writings are marked with this expectation of Christ's return. He was always speaking about the day of the Lord that will come like a thief in the night. He says that we wait for the blessed hope and manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We wait for it. That's the hope. The hope of Christ's return. It's always been this compelling notion for, for followers of Christ. They, From the very early days, from Soon after the resurrection and the ascension, they, they hoped for this. And 
prayed fervently for the day that he would come again, when the cosmic lights would dim and Christ would come and take them to be with him. That was all he said. They, they even had kind of secret language when they would meet each other on the streets or at the markets or at the, at the well drawing water. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. It was on their hearts, in their minds. It, it was their fervent hope that this might be the day. This could be the time. They wanted to live with that sense of readiness and expectation you know, with Advent, it comes with this tradition of opening this door to a day. Each, I don't, do some of you have those calendars? You, know, you peel it open, and it's one. You know, as a kid, you, know, you count it down, right? Finally, there's so many doors, and finally you get to the door, and you get to open it and open presents. <laughs> well, 2,000 years ago, even before he would go to the cross, Jesus began another countdown one that continues to run even now. He wanted all of his followers to understand that this day was on its way. This day that when God would take his powerful hand and, and, and reach once again into human history through his son. This time, though, no, not in the same manner as the first time, not as a suffering servant. Next time it's going to be as a triumphant Lord of all, Lord of all creation as God himself coming to us. We go about our, our lives, don't we? And it's just almost too much. This concept of history kind of hurtling forward toward this coming day of second advent. It's out there somewhere. Could be tomorrow. Could be in the next millennium. We've got these little grandkids. They're born in 20, 20, 30, 2019. They're born this year. I hold them. They're just tiny. And I look at them and I go, wow, you're going to live into the 22nd century probably. Good chance, right? Wow, that's a lot of history. But we ourselves, we have this other cosmic journey that we're on. That we're, we're going somewhere. And he's coming again for us. If you knew for certain that all this was true, what I'm saying here, if you knew that was about to happen someday, how would you then live? What would your life really be like if you were moving towards that event in history? Jesus says, have a stance. Get ready. Be watchful. Wait, he says. Makes me think of the man who asked God how long a million years was to him, to God. God replies, well, it's just like, this is my God voice. It's just like a single second of, my, of, of your time, my child. So the man asked, what about a million dollars? The Lord replied, well, to me, it's like a single penny. Man gathers himself all up. He says, well, Lord, could I have one of your pennies? That certainly, my child, just a second. <laughs> he 
waiting, <laughs> waiting. What is God teaching us in the waiting? Certainly our lives are, are not much like those who first waited. Those first followers of Jesus, those early days of Christianity where persecution was the norm, days of evil emperors, world values that have, had gone astray, many were martyred because of their faith. They were hard times to be a Christian. And in those times, our, our spiritual ancestors, they found it helpful to look back at, at those who had been faithful in the past, other generations who had faced similar conditions. So they looked at these faith stories. Jesus himself does the same thing. He says here in our text today, he says that it's similar to the days of Noah, these days of waiting. He's reminding his disciples of this long wait for the floodwaters to come. 120 years, you know, they lived a long time then. <laughs> Noah had been saying, this is coming. This judgment is about to happen. 120 years, though, Noah's out there preaching about rain. And, you know, no rain? It's not raining. He keeps preaching it. It's coming. It's coming. He's out there with his saw, building an ark. All right, Noah, how long? Jesus says it's like that. It's like Noah. Life went on. People were absorbed in this world, paying little attention to what, you know, what he was saying. There's almost a carelessness in the age. Little attention to matters of the spirit. And Noah just waited patiently. Kept building the ark. Building a boat for a future day. It was like normal times. Just day after day, the tedium of it all. One commentator says of our Matthew text, he says that when Jesus begins to really talk about this time to come, this age to come, he goes all the way back to the beginning of history with Noah to talk about the end of history with the return of Christ. And in both situations, there seems to be a nonchalance about spiritual matters, about who God is, what God is up to, an indifference to it all. I can remember being on deployments in the Navy and sailors would come up to me thinking, yep, I might know something about what we're doing out there. You know, chaplain, what do I know? <laughs> you know they think, you know, I'm an officer, I must know something. So they ask you, how long till, till we go home? That was a big question. You know, when are we going to finish this deployment? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know any more than you do. And it feels so much like what you know, people wanted to know. Well, when can we expect you, Jesus? When's all this going to happen? Jesus himself, in all his humanity, in the, in the scriptures, says, only the Father knows. I myself do not even know, you know, in those earthly years. I don't know. It's not for you to know. Disciples would ask, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus says, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. As if our whole focus is, is to be elsewhere, not on the timing of it all, but we're to be about something in this waiting period. 
life is something that we can fervently hold on to. Don't you love life most of the time? <laughs> it's good. The thought of Jesus coming back is, is something the church, I think, of today struggles with, at least this, in our culture, where we are fairly satisfied. Not yet, Lord. Maybe tomorrow, or maybe 20 years from now. Not, not now. The Christians, they seem to fall into two extreme camps on this whole promise or hope. On one side, there's this camp that claims to have special insight into the future of when Christ will return, and, and there's almost an emphasis on the knowing of that. You know, there's acrostics, and there's formulas, and you know, said it's going to happen, and that date has gone by numerous times you know, in my lifetime. But there's also other believers, and it's almost another extreme, and that's to ignore the hope, to ignore the promise that Christ will come, and to live as if these intervening years were mostly uh, meaningless myth. That was not the early Christian experience. It was a daily anticipation. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. That was always their prayer. And I'm not sure people like us can readily relate to the anguish of those prayers. Although I believe we get glimpses. We have glimpses of what it must have been like when this world edges us ever closer to chaos or fear that we might begin to desire the culmination of all things. This past Tuesday uh, evening, we received a phone call from one of my brothers, and he said that Donna, who is my father's uh, late-in-life love, <laughs> how else do we put it, his dear, special friend, he met Donna at church, and they've been a, a couple uh, without matrimony for the last five, six years. They just have been with each other day in, day out. And they <clears throat> went on a 17-day cruise to Hawaii, left San Diego, sailed around the islands, got off the ship once, 17 days in Honolulu. They're both fairly restricted in their mobility. Got off the ship once, sailed all the way back to San Diego, got off last Saturday. Donna fell Tuesday morning, and by noon she was gone. Father's brokenhearted. We changed our Thanksgiving plans. We drove to San Diego and we're with him for Thanksgiving and, and drove back yesterday and doing well. But there's just this reminder of the, the imminent nature of life. Christ with us. Sometimes I realize that I, I, I treat this life as if it's the grand prize. And I cling to it. And then Advent comes along, and it's this reminder always that there's more, there's, there's so much more, there's this cosmic more that's waiting for us, a coming day, when all things will be made right, when swords will be beaten to plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, that it will be better, better than we can even imagine right now. It will be how God has designed it to be. I like what Martin Luther said so many years ago. He said that Christians should live as if Jesus had died this morning, risen this afternoon, and was coming 
this evening. Love that. It's been said that someone found St. Francis working in his garden and asked him, what would you do if you knew that you would die in 10 minutes? St. Francis, I'd try to finish this row. <laughs> we keep on. We keep on. What would you do? What would you do? Cindy went to this nursing workshop a few years ago, and the speaker at this workshop said that every person needs to say or to hear five things. You want to hear them? <laughs> Don't worry, it's not a whole other sermon. <laughs> five things. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye. Five things. What do we do with this time that we have? God's gracious, graciously giving us this, this period to say or to do those things that need to be said or done. Here we are in this age of hope and faith, and we keep going, keep sawing and building our ark, <laughs> patiently waiting. And it's normal. It's life. But it's more than normal. It's intentional waiting. It's an anticipation. We keep building lives and hearts that trust in God while waiting for Jesus to come. Jesus said it's like two men out in a field and they're working. Or, change his mind real quick, two women. They are grinding flour or grain at the mill. Just working. It's like that. They're working along, regular people, and all of a sudden it's, one is left and one is gone. And so we just work on. We, we keep on in this life of hope. Basketball season has started, and it always reminds me of John Wooden. I think there was the John Wooden Classic basketball tournament this weekend. I love what John Wooden once said to some of his players. He's you know, trying to get them to be ready for a game. And he said this great line, be quick, but don't hurry. It's, it's normal life, but you're engaged Say the five things to the people you care about. Be active. Be on mission. Be focused on where God would have you in life. Be quick about it, but don't hurry. I love that. Have you ever worried that your life is getting away from you before some of these meaningful developments take place? John Ortberg once said this. He said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith but it's that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. That we will just skim over our lives instead of actually living them. We have this time. And this might not be the time to bring out the slow down sermon. Yeah, did you see the parking lot on Friday at the mall? Life's busy out there. With the season comes this, all these tasks. Slow down. Wait. Take time to be holy. 
take time to say the things that need to be said. Thomas Kelly said people nowadays take time far more seriously than they do eternity. Yet here we are, in these in-between days. It's a gift, really, I suppose. It's the perplexity of our faith in Christ, that we still live in the age of hope, and yet we live in this age of not yet fulfillment. It can be hard to figure the news of this time is political unrest. It's stabbings in the street, global terrorism. It's still on our, our minds. Nations still suffer under oppressive regimes. Refugees are still lost without homes. The world is in disarray. Come, Lord Jesus. Take this time, Jesus seems to say. Ponder what it is you hope for. A better way through this age and a promise of the age to come. Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, we realize that every moment we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. In Advent, at Christmas, God gives us this gift of hope, of renewal of hope in our lives. Barbara Brown Taylor, I love this quote, and I'll just kind of end with this. She wrote once, she said, every morning when you wake up, decide to live the life God has given you to live right now. Refuse to live yesterday over and over again. Resist the temptation to save your best self for tomorrow. Live a caught-up life, not a put-off life, so that wherever you are, you are ready for God. Ours may be the generation that finally sees him ride in on the clouds. Or we may meet him the same way generations before us have, one by one, as each of us closes our eyes for the last time. Either way, our lives are in God's hands. You know, Advent, it's only four weeks long. <laughs> four little candles to burn each Sunday. But we're to read them forward these weeks. We are to look with anticipation, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. First in Bethlehem, we celebrate that coming. But secondly, and maybe even more importantly, he's coming for all of us. He's coming. He's coming. Be ready. Be ready. My California daughter, you know what she did? <clears throat> she heard about what happened in Colorado or along the way to Colorado somewhere. She... Uh, we started putting together a new package. Got another box, shopped, rewrapped stuff, didn't put all the doodles on the outside of the package this time, and sent it. That's hope, isn't it? I mean, this world, it, it's crazy at times. People steal Christmas packages. But hope says that we reshop 
we reset, we resend our lives, we, we say the five things to those we love and care about, we live with an expectant heart, we get ourselves ready for God, for that triumphal day that's on its way, that cosmic day that we're hurtling forward to is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, for the promise that you bestow and you give, and we want to live into that. Help us to be quick about it, but not hurry. Help us to settle into this time that you have given to be the people that you would have us be right now. Thank you for Jesus. We look for him. May this season, these weeks of Advent, prepare us anew for your coming in our very hearts and lives. In his name we pray. Amen.